This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to get in the Word. And uh, I mean that the Word of God is life. And how much more important is the Word in these days that we're living in? And, and last week we looked at God's not judging us. He's, he, he took our judgment, Jesus did, at the cross. And that is so liberating. That brings freedom to know that God's not angry with us and that he's given us a covenant of peace. I mean, know that you cannot put a price on peace. But, but Jesus gave us a covenant with God the Father that gives us the covenant of peace forever. Say forever. Forever is a long time. And, and that's what we have because of the, the sacrifice and the price that he paid. And so a lot of what you hear today really connects with what you heard last week when we talk about uh, the end times. But I had some questions that uh, some people asked me. And one of them was, what about God's judgment in the Old Testament? Well, that's before the dispensation of grace. And how many, as you've read the story, you see that God was tough on sin. And um, he was obligated as a righteous, holy God to, to respond to it. And especially when they didn't do the things that would safeguard them from judgment. So he had to do it. He was actually, when you read it, you, you see that God was just trying to get mankind to survive, to get Jesus here. And because I had someone ask me, why did some of the uh, people in the Old Testament who were people of God, they like had many wives or whatever, and said, so, well, in the New Covenant, we see that you're supposed to have just one and it's a progressive revelation. I mean, he was, like I said, just trying to get them, you know, to take a baby step, trying to get them to where they could get Jesus, he could get Jesus into the earth. But Jesus took it to a whole different avenue, if you want to look at it. He took it to the thought life. It said thoughts. So uh, under grace, it's a greater measure of, uh, of standards, but thank God for his grace and his mercy, and now we can run to the throne room of grace and mercy and receive help in time of need. So we, we're not going around witnessing that, you know, God's judgments in the earth, and now we have good news. God is out to bless you. You may not know it, but God wants to help you. God wants to bless you. That's our message. That God is for us, not against us. And that he has paid the ultimate price for us to have the honor and the privilege of being a part of his family. Can you imagine? We are part of the family of God Almighty. We're his sons and daughters. Wow. That's shouting ground right there, but we're going we're gonna to move on. Okay. So God, he had to judge it. Did God create evil? Yes, in the sense that he created every being, 
But did he create them to do evil? I don't believe so. No. But they had a choice and they did evil and they became evil. Did God create evil? Yes, he created them, but they chose to do evil. Did he have you born in the earth in a lost state, a cursed state? No. It's because Adam made some choices and therefore you were born from the seed of Adam. But when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, he's called the second Adam that frees you from the curse. Frees you from the power of sin. It's good news. We have actually awesomely good news for everyone we meet and we're around. So God did create evil in that he created everything, but he didn't create everything to be, some to be evil. Yes, I'm creating you evil where you can be my enemy. Well, nothing he creates is a match against God. Satan, no match for God himself. He was created being. What's incredible is that God defeated Satan through a man named Jesus Christ who laid down his deity and walked in the Abrahamic covenant and overcame the devil, was able to pay the price by faith, became sin, taking what we deserve, paid the price, and therefore, because of that, God was able to redeem you and I and bring us into fellowship with him and bring him into uh, his family forever with him, that is outrageously genius. The mind of God. No wonder, you know, if Satan had known, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. He'd never done it if he had known it. Okay. So what about the church in the last days? We're going to continue here. And and God wants us to know about prophecy. He wants us to have some understanding. We may not know every detail or timing and thing, but we're to, uh, actually it's for our comfort. We're to be comforted by the prophecy of God, knowing the prophetic uh, future that we have. We know that our society, what it looks like is uh, immorality, Uh, turning back on God and we're reaping the effects of that called sin which is death self-inflicted wounds that we've done to ourselves but God has a, a plan in Luke chapter 17 this is Jesus speaking in verse 26 says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat in the flood game and destroyed them all. And the world would be as it, it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling Farming and building until the morning light, until 
catch that, until the morning, Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up into the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I've had heard so many doomsday prophecies, everything. The world economy is going to collapse. That's not what Jesus said. It's going to be business as usual. It's going to carry on. It's going to be perilous times, difficult times, but life will carry on. Had somebody tell me, well, I don't know if I should have a, a baby. Say, yes, have your baby. Buy the house. Start that business. Go to college. Plan like he's coming back in 100 years, but live like he's, he's coming now. Because business will be the same as usual until, notice what happened to Noah. It says, it will be like this when I come back, like when Noah entered the ark and judgment came. It'll be like this when Lot, when he left the city of Sodom and the Moor and fire burned down, it will be like that. What happened to those that belonged to God? They left. They were removed from the wrath of God. Old Testament, how much more? We, under the covenant of grace, that's the reason, and you'll hear in a few moments how I stand. Well, let's move on. I'll Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that as far as fellowship, but they're your mission. They're your mission. And you have to know those that you're around, they're either mission or they're those that you fellowship with that build you up. And you can speak to each other's heart. Got to know the difference because if you get mingled up in the difference, you can find yourself connected to the wrong one. And then they start influencing you instead of you influencing them. In verse 12 it says, same chapter, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So at the end of the age, we'll see these things. Number one, the world will be a dangerous place, hurt, hurtful, perilous. Number two, Christians will be persecuted. And it's like Pastor Rob was saying, we haven't seen 
persecution. Just because you didn't get your parking place, that wasn't persecution. It's like the guy, the guy that backed into a, a tree and he gets out and he's rebuking the devil. His friend that was there watching all this said, uh, no, not unless you're the devil. That didn't go over good. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Number three, evil men will grow worse, deceiving and being deceived. And number five, occult activities will be seen more than ever before. And I put that because when you read down more in that, um, it talks about the two sorcerers that came against Moses. And it says, we will see occult activity in the last days. Number four, number four deceiving and being deceived. That's not on mine. I'm not sure how that happened. That's not my notes. But it's good. Okay. I think we should really take heart about number four. Since I didn't put my notes, and it's in the notes. Yeah. Rejecting the power of God. We do not want to reject the power of God. Colossians 1.26. Maybe we should raise our hands a second. I mean, that really just kind of <laughs> expands my mind that that's not on my list. How? I sent it. It's not in my notes. Okay. My number four. Number two is Christians will be persecuted. Number three, evil men will grow worse. Number four, deceiving and being deceived. The cult activities will be seen more than ever before. Number five. Okay. I'm not going to try and figure out how that happened, but let's lift our hands for a moment. Lord... I do not reject your power in Jesus' name. We know you're almighty God. You can do anything and will do anything for your kids. So we ask in faith and believe according to your word, Lord, that the limits will take, be taken off any place that we're limiting you and not seeing how powerful you are in our behalf. And God, we thank you for increasing our capacity to see vision and imagination beyond what we're seeing now. Taking the ceilings off in Jesus' name. Colossians 1.26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints, to them will... God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery? And this, this 
will bring understanding to a whole lot of things when you get this. The mystery is the church age, the dispensation of grace. And you can go back to Daniel where the angel came, said there's 490 years, but 483 years have been used up, but everything, God put a delay on the time clock. There's seven years left, but he put a delay, and when he did, he put the church age in. The mystery was the church, you and I. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a mystery to me. <laughs> so this mystery is like what we heard for such a time as this, we, the church, is here now for a purpose and a plan. And that's bringing in, the, I believe, the greatest harvest that there's ever been. That we will go forth in the power and authority, putting the enemy under our feet and making the enemy our footstool. And God will have a glorious church. I really believe that. That when he said the glory of the Lord will fill the earth, it will fill the earth. I believe there's a wealth transfer that has to take place. Uh, I believe that God wants us to rise up as his beautiful bride, the church, being all that he's called us to be. So the mystery of the dispensation of grace, number one, I've got there's indwelling of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, we have people... uh, birthed into the kingdom but the holy spirit came to dwell within them number two priesthood of every believer and uh, old testament they had their high priest had their priest but now all of us are priests and can go straight into the holy of holies nobody has to tie a rope around you or anything you can go in freely <laughs> in case you're wondering about the rope they used to tie a rope in case there was sin on the the high priest going in where they could pull him out. They didn't hear any bells jingling in there. They'd pull him out. He'd be dead. Aren't you glad now you can run and go? (laughs) Number three, new birth did not exist in the Old Testament or new species, new nature, spirit of man. I did see this. I don't know why I put it in there twice. Number four is infilling in the Holy Spirit. You could say indwelling in the Holy Spirit is number one. There are two works of the Spirit, and this uh, would be like the uh, overflow, rivers of living water. It's where you get your prayer language. This is where the power of God is released through you in that baptism of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. Number five. Spiritual gifts for every believer, not just the prophet, priest, and king of the Old Testament. Every believer has the gifts residing on the inside of you because the Holy Spirit's there. What's the best gift? The best gift is when it's needed at the time. How do the gifts work? Through the love of God. The best way for the gifts to operate through a believer is because of the love of God. Number six, the body of Christ, the church. And we, we know that one. Number seven, the rapture of the church. This was a mystery. And it's still a mystery to a lot. 
But I do believe in the rapture of the church, and and that's why I'm going to talk about a little bit for a few moments uh, is about the rapture in church. And we, we don't see it in the Old Testament. There are some shadows there, but we really see it in, in the epistles. We see it in First Thessalonians where Paul is ministering back um, to the people and he's explaining things to get them straight. They actually got upset. They thought they had missed the rapture. They thought Nero, they were going such such heavy persecution that they were uh, thinking Nero was the Antichrist. I mean, you can relate. I mean, I grew up with Hal Lindsey, and I mean, we got so much in that. Everyone who did anything wrong was the Antichrist. I mean... <laughs> And uh, it, was, it was fun times. And, but, but they had this problem back then. And they're gathering together. So he wanted to make sure they had an understanding of the rapture and the second coming. Because they're two different events. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery I'm just going to read this real quick. A mystery, that hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I just threw that in because I like that verse. (laughs) Back to the rapture of the church. In the Old Testament, this, this wasn't taught because they didn't know about the church age or didn't know anything about this. So it was not taught. But there's two comings of the Lord. Number one is the rapture. And that's at the end of the church age. And let me just say there are those that are pre-tribulation rapture. There are those that are mid-tribulation rapture. And those that are post. And he said, you know, take these words that they bring comfort to you. And it doesn't bring me any comfort to be mid-trib or post-trib. So I'm more comfortable. (laughs) But I believe the Word of God teaches that. Because I don't believe we'll go through the wrath or the judgment of God. I don't believe a believer will go through that. Will we go through persecution, difficult times? Yes. But we're just at the beginnings of these things. The beginning of sorrows, like in Matthew 24, where Jesus talked about where they came to him, the disciples said, what will be the end of the age, the sign of the times? That's where he said, nation, rumors of roars, nation against nation. And he he lists, uh, you know, all these things. But at the end of his discourse, he said there'll be two men um, in the field, one's taken. Be two women together, one's taken, one's left. And he said, people say, where are they? He said, where, where the eagles gather? In the air. See, in the rapture, it talks about a gathering where we meet Jesus in the air. The second coming is where he puts his foot down on the Mount of Olives. And he doesn't just come for a little tap and he's back up in the air, he sets up his kingdom here on the earth. 
So when you read them, there are two different things that take place. That's what Paul's trying to address and get them to understand. But if you don't believe in pre-rapture or, or mid or, or whatever, you don't believe in the rapture, that's okay. We still have our mandate. We still go and do what God is called to do. And when we're going up, I'm going to find you and say, I told you. So what's next on God's agenda? I believe the, the, the rapture is, would be the next uh, event. When that will happen, don't know. I believe we are accelerating and things declining and going down. Uh, and we could be moving that way quickly. But we don't know. So it's a rapture, I believe. Then you have seven years, which is seven years from uh, what the angel told Daniel would kick in to be seven years of tribulation. This will be the wrath of God. It's called the wrath of the Lamb, and I believe we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when you read about the marriage supper of the Lamb, what takes there is a judgment seat of Christ, and it's a rewards banquet for all the things that you did on earth for the Lord. It's going to be a wonderful time. The food's going to be awesome. (laughs) And we're going to have a seven-year celebration. And then... At the end of that, Jesus will come. And when you read when he comes, the second coming, it says he comes with ten thousands of thousands of the saints. He's coming with us. And he's landing and he's setting up his kingdom. And he's coming to the Mount of Olives. Or we, we would call it the Temple Mount. He's coming there. It says where the Antichrist goes in and he declares that he's God. He captures and deceives the whole world into following him. And he he says, peace, peace. And this is what I believe is that the Antichrist is Jewish. What better for the people of Israel to accept this one as their Messiah. That's what they're doing. They're accepting the Antichrist as the Messiah. And he's Jewish. And the whole world will take notice. And he has seven years. But then Jesus comes. Now guess where Jesus is setting up his kingdom? At that temple. The temple mount. The same place... Where the Antichrist is set is where Jesus is coming and setting up his temple rule. And it says we're coming back with him. And it says he will rule and reign on this earth for iron fists. In other words, there'll be no free will or no choice. You're going to do it God's way? That, no, that's it. <laughs> there is no other way but his way. You're going to obey and do that. And then after a thousand years, it says, 
And know that the second coming is called the day of the Lord. A day to the Lord's a thousand years. He's going to have a thousand years, the day of the Lord, on this earth. He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And then Satan's going to be released out of his prison. Now here's what's remarkable. There's going to be people that are going to have a free choice to follow Satan or to follow Jesus. There'll be people uh, birthed and having families in the earth during, during the millennial reign. And everyone will have a, a choice. There'll be people that live through the tribulation. Even though so much of the population will be wiped out, there'll be some that live through it. And now they'll have a free will choice to, to accept Jesus or to follow the enemy. And the Bible says that Satan will deceive the nations. And all the nations will surround and gather against the saints of God. And boom. <laughs> this time fire comes from heaven. From God. And consumes. It's Armageddon. Consumes that force the nations are coming against the kingdom of God. They're all cast into the lake of a fire. Then Jesus says, we're going to have a new earth. He makes a new earth for us. It's all going to be like the Garden of Eden. You're going to walk out your, your house, your mansion. Yeah, I've got news for you. We're not going to always live in heaven. It's coming to earth. We're going to live here on this earth. But it's going to be a brand new earth. It's going to be awesome. You walk outside your back door and you put your finger up and go, come here, little hummingbird. Hummingbird's going to come. <laughs> you going to look up the sky. Oh, what a sight. Ah. And you're just going to be walking around. And, and then I think I'm going I'm to go over to John Cobb's house. There's his mansion up there. Oh, man. I go to knock and he opens the door. I knew you were coming, Bob. <laughs> so good to see you, John. How's everything going? Well, you know how it's going. Absolutely perfect. Well, John, we, we've already been here a couple thousand years and it, it's still, I just, I'm in awe of God. And let me tell you, for all eternity will be in awe of God. Because it will take all eternity for God to reveal himself to us. You'll never reach the end of God. <laughs> That's an overview. And I'm going to stop there. What does God have for the church? It's like Pastor Rob was saying, for such a time as this, this is the most exciting time for the church. It's a great time to be alive. That means you got to turn off the news some. <laughs> but we're going to, let me read the last, last part here.
called our, our response. For, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 22. Run from anything that simulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. You're talking about community groups right there. You're talking about making disciples to do the work of God. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. I don't get on social media and follow all the, the, the stuff, but I've had people tell me about some of it, and it sounds awful. Don't, don't spend your time getting some foolish argument with somebody. It, it's just wasting your time. Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. I only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Kind to everyone. Say kind to everyone. Even those you are unlovable, seemingly. We're to be kind to everyone because we're letting our light shine in. They're seeing God in us. Be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. Be discipled. Have your... your your Bible foundations inside of you that you can deliver the word of God because God is bringing the whole body ministry together. It's not going to be just coming to this person or that person. The whole body is to be ministering and coming together. That's exciting. Be able to teach. Be patient with difficult people. Be patient with difficult people. It didn't say run from difficult people. Be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently. See, God's not judging them, and we can't judge them. If it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus applied to our life, where would we be? So we got to show them Jesus. We got to give them light. We got to show them love. (laughs) And you're going, why can't you see this? No. Once we were blind, but now we see. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. They're in captivity. But we have the word of life that releases those and sets those free. They are captive by the enemy. So we come with peace and and speak the truth in love. Not compromising. 
but speaking the truth and the love of God. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When you're tired and you don't want to reach out or do whatever, remember, there's reward. There's reward for it. It's not in vain. Well, Pastor, I just want to do it because I love Jesus. I'm not thinking about the reward. Well, I am. It motivates me, and he gave it. He gave it to motivate us. I need a, are you saying you need a carrot? Out I need a carrot. I'll reward you if you, I know you're tired, but I'll reward you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay. He's the one that gave the promise. <laughs> the Message Bible says, of all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. It may seem like it in the natural, but in the spiritual, it's effective, and it always works. God is always working. He's always faithful to his promise, and you're not wasting your time when you're Doing a work for God. One of the things we need to do is pray. Lord reminded me last night about Daniel. He said, Where are the Daniels? So, now, where are the Daniels? Praying. We need to pray for our nation. Well, I want to be effective. I, I need to do something. Pray. It's the most effective thing that you can do. We need to get the right leaders in the right positions. We need to pray for our Supreme Court when they say that in Las Vegas, churches can't meet, but casinos can that's when a stand has to be taken. We need to pray for our Supreme Court. We need to pray for our nation. God has given us the most effective tool that there is, and that's prayer. Hallelujah. But God's not finished with America. He's not finished. Do you really think that God is finished with the most, the one who gives 95% of all the money to missions and is the hub of all the Christian literature and ministry in the world? Do you think God is going to shut this place up? No. It's going to backfire on the devil. The devil's going to see the wisdom of God manifested in the sons and daughters of God. And we're going to make the devil pay for every second that he's caused delay. But delay is over. And God says the grace of God will prevail and break through. And you will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. And the United States will rise up because of the saints of God, the children of God, rising up and doing what they know they're supposed to be doing. And I will, I will bring the glory and the breakthrough that's in your hearts. Because it's been in mine, saith the Lord, for a while. 
but I'm stirring. Am I using what the enemy is using against the United States? Yes, I'm using it to get your attention. So wake up and do what you know to do and know that you don't do it in your own power because some of you feel overwhelmed. You have your big list of what you need to do for me. I say throw away the list. Listen to my spirit and relax. Relax. I've got you. Just pray. Just release your faith and do what I tell you to do. Save the Lord. Let's bow our heads. First and foremost, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, let me tell you, this is your moment. If you have one doubt in your mind, if you have one question, this is your moment. I invite you to surrender your life to Jesus right now. And it's as simple as this. You make the decision to turn from your way of living. You choose to repent of your sin, and you would choose to embrace Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life for now and forever, forevermore. And if that's you, wherever you are, I just invite you right now, you just pray a prayer, just pray something simple, do it in your own words, whatever it be, it's just something, just, just Jesus, I thank you, thank you for coming, thank you for paying the price for my sin, taking the judgment that I deserved, I thank you for taking my sin and becoming sin. I thank you that the full wrath of God was poured out on you. And now I experience the great exchange. I experience your peace. I experience your love. Everything that was yours is now mine as a son, as a daughter of God. Jesus, I call you Lord of my life. And I choose to follow you all the days of it. And just ask the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, Fill me. Empower me. With that power we were just talking about so that I can be everything you've called me to be. That I can fulfill God's purposes within the earth today in the midst of a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name. If that's you, let me tell you, don't keep it to yourself. The Bible says that you are a new creation. Once you make that decision truly within your heart, you are a brand new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. You don't have to live in the shame and the guilt and, the, and, and, and all the sin of your past and all the junk and the muck. The Bible says that you are If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.